You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles there, please go ahead and open them up with me to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And as you're turning there, let's go ahead and put that a picture up on the screen. Maybe you recognize these folks. I think many of us would. Bill and Marlene Hutchison celebrating 60 years of marriage. Yes, yes, yes. So they were here last service. They're not here right now, but still we want to acknowledge and celebrate. We're celebrating 20 years of grace as a church, and we also celebrate 60 years of grace with them in their marriage. So Proverbs 22, verse 6. Now, when I was a teenager back in the 90s, and I was looking for a job, uh, I had to go out and buy, uh, do you remember what that was called? Uh, a newspaper. I had to buy a newspaper. And then in the newspaper, I had to turn to the what section? The classified. The classified section in the newspaper. So there I was, teenager, classified section, and looking for a job. And I saw this ad, and it said, $10 an hour, phone number. I was like, great. I want $10 an hour. That was a lot of money back then. So I called the number, went in for an interview, got the job. Got the job. So I said, what's the job? And he said, oh, don't worry about that. Come back tomorrow and we'll explain it to you. So that should have been red flag number one. So went in the next day and they said, hey, well, here's the job description. Congratulations. You are a door-to-door vacuum salesman. So I wasn't super excited about that. Then they said, well, and here's the objective of the job. It's to sell as many of these vacuums as you possibly can. And this is in the 90s. And this vacuum costs $2,000. So it's like, might as well be $100,000 now. So wasn't super excited about that objective. And then there's, there's oh, by the way, here's an, an obstacle that you might want to know about. 99.99% of the people that you talk to are going to just slam the door in your face. So after hearing all of that, I decided to go to university. But that was probably a, a better plan. So, but imagine you are, you are hired for a job and you don't, you don't know what the job description is. You don't know what the objective of the job is, and you don't know any of the obstacles. I think for most of us, that sounds like a nightmare. And yet, this is where many of us can find ourselves with regard to parenting. Parenting, because if I was to ask you, okay, so so what's the job description for parenting from a biblical perspective? Or what's the objective of parenting from a biblical perspective? Or or what's the big, huge, main obstacle to parenting? From a biblical perspective, how would you answer those questions? Because I know for me, at least, on my parenting journey, I mean, there's been times that I wasn't considering any of those questions. I'm just kind of showing up to the parenting job every day without any real perspective on the job description or the objective or the obstacle. And I suspect that I'm probably not the only one. So as you guessed, today is a message on parenting, the job description, the objective, and the obstacle. And here's who this message is for. This message is for everyone who is willing to step up and take some degree of responsibility for pouring into the next generation of the church. So yes, this marriage is for parents, but... This message is also for those who one day might be parents. This message is for grandparents, for aunts and uncles, for brothers 
and sisters. It's for Hope Kids workers, for youth leaders, for those who serve in kids camps. It's for mentors and teachers and parent types and for all who are willing to step up and contribute on some level to pouring into the next generation of the church of Jesus Christ. In other words, this message on parenting is for all of us. It's for all of us. And that leads us to our one and only point today. We'll have some sub points, but one and only point today. Here it is up on the screen. Faithful parenting has a job description, an objective, and an obstacle. Faithful parenting has a job description, an objective, and then also an obstacle. So have a look with me now at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So let's jump into our first sub-point up on the screen, which is this, the job description. The job description. And before we get too far into the job description, uh, let's, let's begin with this question. Why even show up to this job called parenting? Like, why even show up? I mean, there's going to be days where we just don't feel like showing up. And there's lots of parents who don't show up, right? There's lots of parents that have checked out. They're not showing up for the job, for the work of parenting. And so why should a Christian parent be different? What should be the motivation for someone who is saved in Jesus Christ to show up every day for work and to parent? Well, we can think of it like this up on the screen, that the motivation for everything, including parenting, is the gospel. It's the gospel. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So Paul, in the book of Romans, he takes 11 chapters to unpack the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. And so here he's saying, I appeal to you by the mercies of God, by the gospel, because you're saved in Jesus Christ, because all of your sin has been forgiven. You've been given eternal life and dwell by the Spirit, by the mercies of God. Now do this. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give all that you have and all that you are to God as an offering of worship. He says, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we can think of it this way up on the screen. If we think of parenting kind of like a tree, then the motivation for parenting, the root system, so to speak, for parenting, is the gospel. We are motivated to parent as an expression of love, as an expression of worship to God. Faithful parenting is a response to the gospel. That's where the motivation comes from. But we need more than motivation. We need this up on the screen. We need power. Power. You can think of this kind of like the trunk on the tree, that the power for parenting comes through abiding. It, it comes through walking every day with Jesus Christ and being in his word and being a, a person of prayer and walking with him and bearing fruit. This is where the power for parenting comes from. Abiding. So the motivation comes from the gospel. The power comes through abiding, which leads, of course, then to this, the fruit of faithful parenting, uh, which, again, it comes from the root system of motivation, the power of abiding, leading then to faithful parenting, the fruit of faithful parenting. So with that in mind, let's now move to the job description. 
Again, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Let's put that up on the screen. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. So there we see the child, and there we see the way the child should go, right? That way. There's the child. So train them to go that way. Seems pretty straightforward. But the meaning of this proverb runs much deeper than that. Because first, train up a child in the way he should go means that yes, there is a certain way he should go. There is. And yes, we need to train him to go that way, but here's why. Here's why up on the screen. Because they would never choose to go that way on their own. Ever. Ever, they would never choose to go that way on their own. If left to their own devices, they're going the opposite direction. And why is that? Here's why. Because folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Foolishness fills the heart of a child. So left to their own devices, they're going that way, so we need to train them to go that way. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And that word train there is a really interesting word. Because to train up a child doesn't simply mean train them to go that way. It means, it means give a child something they can taste. That's what it means. Give them something they can taste. Train up a child in the way they should go uh, means to instruct them in a way that they can taste. To instruct them in a way that they can actually understand. So if a five-year-old came up to you in the foyer today and said, how do you get to Grimsby? Because that's the kind of random thing a five-year-old would probably say. And you said, oh, Grimsby? Oh, okay, well, you just go out of the parking lot, you turn left, you go through five sets of lights, you get to the highway, go west on the 403, go past Applebee and, and, and go past uh, Brand Street, and then you'll see the QEW Niagara. You gotta get on the QEW Niagara, keep going over the Skyway Bridge, you'll see Fruitland. You would have lost them at turn left out of the parking lot, right? But if you said, oh, Grimsby, well, Grimsby's that way. It's over a big bridge, and then you get to Grimsby. Then you've given them something they can taste. Then you've given them something they can understand. So on the one hand, we must not be passive. We can't be like, oh, well, you know, the children are too young to understand anything about the Bible, or children are too young to understand anything about doctrine, or they're, they're too young to understand anything about the gospel. Uh, false. If they can walk and talk, they're not too young. We need to give them instruction. We can't be passive in this regard. But on the other hand, we also don't want to speak over their heads in a way that they can't understand. So we need a balance here. We need to be intentional about giving instruction, but we also need to do so in a way that they can taste, in a way that they can understand. And maybe you're thinking, well, instruction about what exactly? Well, let's look back at Proverbs 22. Look what it says. Verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way. Train them up in the way. Train them up in the way that they should go. In other words, give them instruction about everything that pertains to their life from a biblical worldview in a way that they can taste. Give them instruction about everything, everything that pertains to their life from a biblical worldview in a way that they can actually understand, including big things like this up on the screen, starting with God's word. 
starting with the Bible, sharing with them the treasure that you have in your heart, the, the treasure of who God is, the treasure of what God has done in the gospel, the treasure of what God has promised us, the treasure of, of what God has commanded us to do, share with them the word of God, but in a way they can taste. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says this is about teaching children God's word. We're, we're, we're to teach them uh, when we're sitting in our house. Teach them when you're out for a walk. Teach them when you're laying down. Teach them when you're getting up in the morning. In other words, teach them all the time. Every opportunity, teach them the word of God. Give them instruction in the word of God. And then also this, the blessing of wisdom. The blessing of wisdom, that the wise person goes this way, and then here's how things typically go. And if you see your child walking in wisdom, to, to, to call that out, to acknowledge that, to celebrate that. But then also the devastation of foolishness. That the foolish person goes this way, and then this is typically how things go for them in their life. And discipline is a necessary part of this, training them not to walk in foolishness. We'll talk more about that. But then also, uh, give them instruction regarding knowledge, science, history, things they need to know, practical life skills. This right here is a big part of the parenting job description. Give them instruction about everything that pertains to their life from a biblical worldview, but in a way they can taste. Train up a child in the way that he should go. But notice this. Notice that the proverb doesn't say, train up a child in the way that everyone should go. It doesn't say that. Instead it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. He should go. And by using that word he, the, the idea here is that we need to take into account a child's unique design and encourage them down a path that makes sense for them based on their personality, their temperament, their interests, their strengths, and their giftedness. Now, here's someone, here's someone who is really bad at this. Okay, up on the screen. Maybe you know this guy. So this is the head elf from Rudolph, right? And, and so uh, he had some interaction with this guy up on the screen. Maybe remember him, Hermie, right? And Hermie really wanted to. What did he really want to do? What was he gifted at? He wanted to be a... A dentist. He wanted to be a dentist, right? But the head elf's like, no, you can't be a dentist. You must make toys. Moral of the story, don't be a head elf, okay? Instead, train up a child in the way that he should go. Encourage them down a path that makes sense for them given their unique design, their personality, their temperament, their interests, their strengths, and their giftedness. Something else we need to see about Proverbs 22, verse 6 is that there's a real sense of urgency here. It's like, do this now. Do it now. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Do it now. And here's why. Because there isn't much time. A child will not be a child forever. This opportunity for training, this window to train up a child is actually quite short. Here's what I mean up on the screen. 
So if this is kind of a, the lifespan of a person, uh, they are a child and then they're an adult. Now, biblically speaking, 2,000 years ago, this was a lot more clean cut than it, was, than it is today. You were either a child or you're an adult. Now we have this rather long uh, place right here where there's a, a transition from child to adult. But, but, the, but the idea here is take this time, which is actually so short. It's like a decade and a bit. Take this time and be intentional about training them up in the way that they should go because very soon there will come a time when the training will decrease. And, and what will increase is more of a role of coaching, more of a peer-to-peer, adult-to-adult relationship. And so we need to have great intentionality about right now. About right now. So we can think of the parenting job description like this up on the screen. That parenting is a temporary stewardship. It's temporary. It doesn't last forever. It's temporary. It's a season, but it's also a stewardship. It's a responsibility that has been given to us by God that's focused on providing instruction that a child can understand and taste from a biblical worldview, encouraging them in their unique design and giftedness with great intentionality because the time is short. And of course, this is within a greater biblical framework of love and wisdom and provision and protection. This is the job description. And we'll come back to that again in a little bit. So if that's the the job description for parenting, then what is the objective? What's the objective for parenting? Well, that's our second sub-point up on the screen, the objective. So have a look with me again at Proverbs 22, verse 6. Look what it says. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So here's what this proverb is saying up on the screen. The proverb is saying, train them up now. Be intentional now. Invest in them now. Do it now so that when they are old, they will be applying what you taught them today. That's what the proverb is saying. But we have to be careful up on the screen because this is a proverb, it's not a promise. The Proverbs, this is wisdom literature. So the Proverbs, the Proverbs are, are, are saying this is how things typically go. This is how it usually goes. It's not a promise. But this is how things usually go. If you are intentional about investing and training up a child now, then here's how things usually go. That when they are old, they will still be applying the things that you are teaching them today. So what does this say then about our objective? Here's what I mean. Is our objective to be faithful in training up a child in the way that they should go? Is that the objective? Or is the objective to somehow make sure that when they are old, that they are for sure on the right track? Well, to help us answer this question, let's consider the ministry of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah was called into ministry by God when he was a young man. And at that time, God's people were completely off the rails. And so God gave his word to Jeremiah. He said, take this and go say this to my people. Go speak this word to my people. Oh, and Jeremiah, by the way, up on the screen, chapter 7, God said to Jeremiah, you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. 
So was God calling Jeremiah to somehow give the people repentance or to somehow give the people faith or to somehow give the people new hearts? Well, he wasn't. God was not calling Jeremiah to do something that only God can do. God was calling Jeremiah to be faithful in going and speaking to the people. Now, in the same way, God is not calling parents or parent types to somehow give children repentance or to somehow give children faith or to somehow give children new hearts. God is not calling us to do what only he can do. Praise the Lord for that. That's a lot of pressure. Instead, he's calling parents to be faithful in training up a child in the way they should go and then, and then, so important, to trust God with the rest. To trust God with the outcome. This is what he's calling us to do. So here's the objective up on the screen. It's to glorify God through faithfulness. That's the objective. To glorify God through your faithfulness. And if you are a parent right now, here today, and you are seeking to be faithful to the Lord, and you're not seeing the fruit that you would love to see, you're not seeing the salvation you'd love to see, you're not seeing the outcome you would love to see, well, know this. The Lord is pleased and honored by your faithfulness. The Lord is pleased and he is honored by your faithfulness. Who is that for today? Well, maybe you're thinking, well, faithfulness, that sounds pretty easy. Well, this just in, okay, it's not. It's not easy at all. Because even when we have the right job description, let's have another run at that up on the screen. So again, parenting is a temporary stewardship focused on providing instruction that a a child can understand from a biblical worldview, encouraging them in their unique design and giftedness with great intentionality because the time is short, all within a framework of love and wisdom and provision and protection. That's the job description. And even when we have the right job description, and even if we have the right objective, which is to glorify God through faithfulness to that job description, this is still not easy at all. And here's why. Here's why. Because there is a major obstacle. And that leads us to our third subpoint up on the screen, the obstacle. The obstacle to faithful parenting. And so, what is the obstacle? Well, it's this up on the screen. This is a, becoming a familiar verse to us. Romans 6, 12, Paul says this. He says, Let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Paul's saying we have this thing inside of us called sin. It's this bottomless pit of evil and wickedness. It wants to reign over us. It wants to rule us. It wants to control us. It wants to make us obey its passions and desires. Now, if we are saved in Jesus Christ, then we are no longer enslaved to that. Praise God. But it's still there. It is still seeking to exert influence and control and and to deceive us and to make us obey its passions. And when parents and parent types like us, when we listen to sin and give ourselves over to sin as we are prone to doing, then the absolute last thing on our mind is training up a child in the way that they should go. Because when we're under the influence of sin, we're not thinking about the gospel. We're not being motivated by the gospel to go and faithfully parent, but rather... 
when we're under the influence of sin, the only thing we're thinking about is ourselves and what we want. And when you and I are focused on ourselves and what we want, we will find ourselves not only ignoring the job description and ignoring the objective of parenting, but we'll find ourselves actually getting irritated and frustrated and angry at our children because they are not doing what we want. And this is the greatest obstacle in faithful parenting. It's the temptation to live for the kingdom of self instead of the kingdom of God. It's the temptation to make parenting all about us, all about me, and what I want, instead about God and faithfulness to him. So for example, it is good and it is right to parents, for parents to have a desire for, for the respect of their children and, 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 and for the obedience of their children and the appreciation of their children. That is a good desire because that honors God. God is honored when children honor and obey their parents. So children ought to be instructed to honor and obey their parents because that honors God. But, but, when our hearts are all about the kingdom of self, and parenting becomes all about us, then, then there's a, a, a turn, there's a twist. That's when the godly desire that we have for these things, it turns into selfish demands. And we begin to demand respect and demand obedience and demand appreciation from our children, not because we want God to be honored, but because we want to be honored. And because this will just make our lives a whole lot easier and a whole lot more comfortable. And it'll make everything about us. This is the biggest obstacle to faithful parenting. It's the sin within us. And so here's a question. How do we know when parenting has become all about us? How can we know that? Well, here's how, here's how. It's when we find ourselves not just sad or hurt or tired or exhausted or worn out or discouraged or confused, or feeling at a loss concerning the conduct of our children, but instead, it's when we find ourselves irritated and frustrated and angry because our children are not giving us what we want. We can think of it this way. Sinful anger is a sure sign that we've made parenting all about us. So let me ask all the parents in the room, the parent types in the room, Are there ways that your parenting has become more about you and what you want than it is about God and being faithful to him? And I'll be the first one to put up my hand and say yes. Yes, there have been so many times when I've made parenting all about me and just wanting things to be easy. How about you? Because again, this is the biggest obstacle to faithful parenting. It's the sin within us. It's a question. When we find ourselves in this place, when we find ourselves doing this, what should we do? Well, here's what we must do. First, first step up on the screen is this. I must, I must remember the gospel. I have to remember the gospel because this is the motivation for parenting. 
I have to remember the gospel. I have to remember that all of my sin has been forgiven, that Jesus paid for it all at the cross, including all of my living for the kingdom of self and my selfishness and parenting. It's all been paid for at the cross, all of it. We have to remember the gospel. We have to remember who we are in Jesus Christ, or we can't even move on really to the next step, which is this up on the screen. I must take my sin seriously. It's really hard to even really begin to consider our sin unless we've renewed our mind in the gospel. Because how can I, how can I face it? It's too big. It's, too, it's just way easier just kind of brush it under the carpet. But we must take our sin seriously. Lord, I've been living for the kingdom of self again. Lord, again, I made parenting all about me and just wanting things to be easy Lord, I've been sabotaging uh, parenting and, and I've been, even through my sin, I've been sabotaging my walk with you. Forgive me. Forgive me. We must take our sins seriously. And then we need to do this up on the screen. We need to disarm the power of sin. Disarm the power of sin because the power of sin is in deception. The power of sin lies in deception. Sin says Oh, well, here's where, here's where joy and peace and happiness and satisfaction and life are found in the kingdom of self. And we just need to call that out for what it is. That is just absolutely false. It's false. Peace and joy and satisfaction and life are not found in the kingdom of self. They're not. It's not there. All that's there is misery. And then we need to do this up on the screen I must walk in the truth. And here's the truth. That peace and joy and satisfaction and life are only found in living for the kingdom of God. Including in our parenting. This is how we drag our sin out into the light and increasingly overcome this obstacle to faithful parenting. So we've looked at the job description. We've looked at the objective of parenting. We've looked at the obstacle and then we'll finish here, our fourth and final subpoint up on the screen, some practical application. So how do we live out the job description? How do we pursue the objective? How do we seek to overcome this obstacle? Well, let's look at four things, four things that we must do in order to pursue faithful parenting. Beginning with this up on the screen, the most important thing, it's abiding. Abiding. This is where the power for parenting comes from. It comes through abiding. Jesus said this, again, up on the screen, we know this well. John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Nothing in the family. Nothing in parenting. In other words, Jesus is saying this, up on the screen. He's saying, he's saying I'm like a vine. I'm like a vine. You are like these branches. The only way the branches will get any nutrients and bear any fruit is if they are drawing from the vine. The only way. The only way. And so here's the fruit he's talking about. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The only way this happens is as we abide, as we walk with Jesus Christ, being in his word, being people of prayer. It's the only way. It's the only way. And who wouldn't want a parent like that? Who wouldn't want to be a parent like that? 
I mean, this is what we want. This is what we want. So consider this. Apart from abiding, there can be no faithful biblical parenting. Because apart from abiding, there's no fruit. So question, question. What does abiding look like in your life right now? Are you, are you opening up God's word? Are you meditating on God's word? Are you renewing your mind in God's word? Is God speaking to you through his word? And are you speaking to God in prayer? Is this, is this something that you're doing on a daily basis? Walking while God's speaking to him in prayer. Having times of adoration. Just worshiping him. And, and times of confession of sin. And thanking him for how abundantly he has blessed you. And praying for him to move and to work in the hearts and lives of your kids. Are you abiding? Because apart from abiding, there can be no faithful biblical parenting. And consider this as well. As parents and parent types, we can't give away what we don't have. You and I can't give away what we we don't have if we are seeking to train up a child in the way they should go, which includes how to abide in Jesus Christ, and we're not abiding. We can't give away what we don't have. But the opposite is also so true. If we do abide, then it's a whole different ballgame. Because if we're abiding, then we'll be growing, we'll be bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and when that happens, we won't be able to help but give away what we have. We won't be able to help it, and it won't be a parenting strategy. It will be the overflow of an abiding, worshiping heart that's bearing good fruit. And this right here is how godliness is modeled to children. Godliness is not modeled to children as parents sit down and go, okay, so how are we going to model godliness today? That's not how it happens. Godliness is modeled by parents abiding and then Jesus Christ bearing fruit in them and children then seeing that fruit and being blessed by that fruit. Especially as parents model this, grace. Grace, which leads us to our second point of application, uh, creating an atmosphere of grace. An atmosphere of grace. If you and I want to pursue faithful parenting, we must create an atmosphere of grace in our homes. Now, there's a story that I love so much about a counselor, and he was counseling two different families that had the same issue, okay? And the issue was that in each family, a son had been caught looking at pornography. So in the first case, the parents took the approach of they're going to punish their son, and they, so they take away his devices, they cut off the Wi-Fi, and that's how they dealt with that. In the second case, there was consequences for the son for sure, but the father decided he wanted to take a bit of a different approach. And so he said to his son, when is it that you're tempted? And the son said, oh, it's like in the middle of the night. And he said, okay, then when you're tempted, I want you to come and wake me up because I want to pray for you. So the son agreed. And then, and then the first night, it's like two, three in the morning. Father gets up. Takes his son back to his room, prays for him, shares the word of God, talks with him. Next night, next night, next night. For weeks and weeks and weeks, this goes on. Two or three in the morning, this father is being woken up every single night. He's exhausted. This is such a sacrifice. He's walking around at work so tired. But then, but then it's like every other night. And then it turned into a couple times a month. 
And then by God's grace, that young man had victory in this area because of the faithful parenting of that father and God moving in that situation. So let me ask you, is your home a place of grace? Is your home a place where sin can be talked about, where sin can be brought out into the open without the fear of condemnation? Is there an atmosphere of grace in your home? Because this is what happens when the grace of God and the gospel touches the hearts of parents. They become then parents who extend grace because they've received grace, and that's when they create an atmosphere of grace in their homes. And one really important part of that, of creating an atmosphere of grace, is this. It's the third point of application. It's becoming both proactive and reactive. Becoming both proactive and reactive. If we want to pursue faithful parenting, we must must be both proactive and reactive, especially as it pertains to discipline and clarifying the rules in your home. So let me ask you up up on the screen, if you have children, what are the rules in your home? If someone was to ask your child, what are the rules... Would they be able to say, oh, okay, it's like boom, boom, boom. These are the, those are the rules. Because a lot of children have trouble answering that question. One reason is because there's so many rules that there's just like, how, where do I even start? Another reason is that the rules are so vague. It's like, okay, here are the rules. Don't be bad and be good. What are the rules in your home? Is there clarity about what the rules are? If you ask your child what the rules are, would they be able to tell you what the rules are? Or how about this up on the screen? What are the consequences for breaking the rules? Again, if someone is to ask your child, what are the rules and what are the consequences? If you, what happens if you break those rules? Would they be able to explain that? Are the consequences clear? Are the consequences age appropriate? Are the consequences fair? And then this up on the screen too, this is important. Are the consequences actually enforceable? Are they actually enforceable? Because there's no point in having these rules and consequences if the consequences aren't actually possible to enforce. So we need to be proactive in being clear about the rules and the consequences, but we also need to be reactive when the rules are broken by enforcing the consequences and being consistent in that. And that's not always easy to do. But it's a big part of faithfully training up a child in the way that they should go. Now we move to our final point of application. Um, If we want to pursue faithful parenting, we must also do this. We must, we must, we must, we must. Up on the screen, we must encourage them. We must encourage them, which means this. We need to be on the lookout all the time. We need to be on the lookout for things that we can affirm. We need to be on the lookout for things that we can encourage them about. We need to be on the lookout for times where we can say, good job! Hey man, way to go. Like that was great. Way to go. We need to be on the lookout for those times and to not be that parent that is hypercritical. It's just like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Everything's wrong. You're wrong. Ephesians 6 warns us about the danger of this up on the screen. Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That word provoke there, it means nitpick. This is an exhortation to fathers. 
do not nitpick. Do not put your child under a microscope and then just constantly talk about all the things that are wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Instead, do this, do this. Train them up in the way they should go in a way that's filled with affirmation, in a way that is filled with encouragement. If we want to pursue faithful parenting, we must, we must encourage our children. And we'll end here today with this. Maybe you're a parent, you're here today, and maybe you're thinking, man, like, I wish I had done things a little bit differently. And I can, I can relate, trust me. I can relate. But know this, there is only one perfect parent, and it's none of us. God the Father is the only perfect parent, and he is our parent. And know this as well, receive this today that all of our parenting failures, past, present, future, all of our living for the kingdom of self has, have been paid for at the cross in full. And knowing that, believing that, rejoicing in that ought to spur us on to this in whatever context we find ourselves up on the screen to be motivated by the gospel and then to be empowered through abiding to be a blessing to the next generation. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for the design of the family. And we know Satan hates it. And so, we are asking you right now that within whatever context we are in, wherever we find ourselves, that we would be motivated by the gospel to get in the game that we would be empowered through abiding to, to be fruitful in this and to be a blessing to the next generation in the church because we have been so blessed. So whether that looks like parenting children that live in our homes, whether that looks like seeking to influence children that are nieces or nephews or grandchildren, whether that looks like serving in Hope Kids, whether it looks like being a youth leader or serving at a kids' camp, would we be motivated by the gospel to show up for work? Would we take this so seriously and receive this call upon our lives? Would we be a blessing because we have been so incredibly blessed? In Jesus' name, amen.